0: Place in the distance, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther, we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, when he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac, on Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide. Somebody say provide. Provide. A sheet for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a man, a ram, caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrifice it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Turd, turd, turd on the third day. going to do all right. This story is heavy. It's extremely heavy, because you begin to see, as it opens up, first of all, you have to understand that Abraham was Abram. God called him out of a very odd situation, because he was a pagan. He was not a God worshiper as we perceive it today. He was a pagan worshiper. He offered sacrifices. He was in the, you know, land of the Chaldeans, and that's he prospered there. But when God decides to do something, he doesn't pick the best people, okay? You have to understand that the Bible is clear about that because it's not who you are but what you can become when he begins to work with you. And that's the power and the beauty of it. In fact, the Bible says that he takes the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise, and hey, I'm a fool. So I'm going to allow God to do what he does best, which is to transform me and change me into the person he wants me to be so that when I'm around those people I used to be around, they catch a glimpse of what God is doing and not what I've done. So, so we have to be mindful that Abraham now finds himself in this situation, and the story goes further. He's a lot older than most people are. His wife is a lot older, and God makes them a promise that he's going to be a father, okay? And of course, his wife is advanced in age, so he's concerned about how can, I, how can she give birth? She's 90 years old, crying out loud, right? How's that going to happen? But how many people know that with you it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible, Amen. So, so so because it's God who's making a prominence and it's not me, you have to be mindful that man will lie to you, and God is not man. He's not gonna lie to you. Okay? So, you know, curse is the person who puts his trust in man, especially the person that's not following Christ. So you have to be mindful, on those people that you high, you know, hold in high esteem and put them on pedestals, they are men. They are flawed. They are men, and they are uh, prone because of their sinful nature to occasionally go out and do something that may catch you by surprise, but it won't catch God by surprise. Abraham now is, he has the first son, and, you know, this is a different sermon for a different day, but he rushes the process. His wife is concerned that she's not having children. Says, sleep with my handmaiden. Sleeps with his handmaiden. Ishmael is born. We have a whole bunch of problems because of this, okay? Still to this day, we have a whole bunch of problems, Okay? And then Isaac, the son of promise, is born. And he is ecstatic because, you know, God made this promise and he has this kid and he's nurturing this kid and he's loving this kid. And and, and for those who have children, you begin to create these bonds with them. And then suddenly in the midst of that, God says, "Uh, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And I don't know about you, but I'm saying, God, you make a mistake. Maybe the Abraham down the block, not this Abraham. I've been waiting for this kid for a long time, and you promised. You, you made me a promise. What's going on here? So, so I'm having a conversation. It doesn't say in the Scripture, but I mean, personally, I, I got to hit the pause button and say, whoa, God. You, you, you're sure that this is what you want to do? So that's my conversation. That's not what the Scripture says. Abraham responded as he would. And it says he took his son and began to make this movement about sacrificing his son. And I don't know about you. But if God were to ask me that every step of the way, I'm praying and saying, God, I know you don't change your mind, but can you do it this time? I I don't know if I can go through this, God. I don't know, because that's what he's doing here. He is testing his faith. He is testing his faith. He wants to find out if he can be trusted. He wants to find out if I am going to be the most important thing in your life. Is Christ all sufficient in your life, or do you need something else? Because at the end of the day, it's got to be Christ and nothing else. You can't add this and add that and then bring Christ into the equation and say, oh, this equals holiness. It doesn't work that way. It's Christ alone and nothing else. Everything emanates from him. Everything is created by him, for him, through him, and for the glory of him. So therefore, for me to try to dilute that with anything else diminishes the sacrifice that was made at the cross for our sins. So he comes along this place and he says, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow through. He takes his son and his son. Now, there's something in, in, in literary terms called foreshadowing. And foreshadowing, especially in scripture and in, liter- in literature, it's where the author or the writer paints a picture of something that's going to come. OK? Stay with me. Altar. Everybody loves that altar? Look at that. It's awesome. Chris put that together. Yes. I love that. Chris is an artist here, right? I, I wanted a visual to kind of comp- you know, give you this compelling picture of things that were. OK? This is not exactly an altar the way it was built back then, but I wanted a picture to give you an idea. He takes his son now, and he puts wood on his shoulder. Okay. Let's put on our spiritual caps. Okay? All right? He puts the wood on his son's shoulders, his favorite son, his most endearing son, the son that he loved the most. And his son carries the wood. And then he goes up to the mountain that God said... This was going to happen on this elevated platform that Abraham had set up with wood on his son's shoulder to sacrifice him to demonstrate how much not only does God love you, but how much Abraham loved God. What we see transpires a very powerful thing because the son asks a question, where's the sacrifice, dad? Where, where, where's the sacrifice? I, you know, I'm not that dumb. Like, what's going on here? You know? I see you looking at me funny. I see you holding on to that knife. What's going on here? Where's the sacrifice? And I love Abraham's words. He says, God will provide. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what situation you find yourself I don't know what's pressing your life, but listen to me. God will provide. God has promised to make a way where there seems to be no way. God has promised to bring an answer where there seems to be no answer to your situation, your your circumstances such that maybe the doctors have given you a report. And I got to tell you something. I love doctors. I love doctors. But I know that my healing comes from the Lord. And and, and I love it because when I talk to doctors in dire situations that we've all myself as pastors and, and they'll say we they may not even be believers, but they say we've done all we can now except to God. So God gives man the wisdom to be able to accomplish certain things, but I gotta tell you, your healing comes from the Lord. Your provision comes from the Lord, your strength comes from the Lord. If you're confused, clarity comes from the Lord. If you're still trying to find your way, listen to me, he he came to seek that which was lost. So when you find yourself in situations, rather than going through your phone book and trying to see who can help you, why don't you just cry out to God? Why don't you just cry out to God? Why don't you, in your desperation, cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I need you more than I need anybody else. And here's the good thing about it. When you call God, it's never busy. Right? Never busy. Right? Like some of your friends, right, you'll call them, you know, and, 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 and they'll look at the phone and see your number and go, oops, Right? Come on now. I know you just declined me. It went too fast to voicemail. Okay? Yes. But listen, God cares about you, everything about you, what you're wearing, how you look, how you smile, how you think. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your past, your present, and your future. And I'm so grateful that he knows all this stuff, and he still loves me. Like, like my past? Oh, gosh. My present? Oh, man. My future? I just scratch my head because I don't know what's coming. He does. Just got to be willing to walk in it. But you'll never be able to walk into your future if you don't understand that he has promised to give you a future and a hope, to prosper you, not to harm you. So anytime you find yourself walking in a direction that's going to bring you harm, put on the brakes. Put on the brakes. Run in a different direction. You know, cry out to God. Call someone that can speak some sense into your life. See, and this is what happens when you stop being in community. You're left to your own devices. You're left to try to figure it out on your own. And you have this finite mind, finite mind to try to figure out this infinite stuff that's going on around you. And some of us in this room are smart, but I've seen some smart people do some I see. OK. Rewind. I know some smart people who have done some dumb things, OK? Like, it, you know, it, it, it just, it's mind boggling. You kind of scratch your head. You know, you say, man, I can't believe you do that. But I know, I know what's happened. You're left to figure this out all by yourself. You're not engaged in scripture. You're not seeing what God is doing. You're not finding this new song, this new mercy every day. You're not finding God in your mess, because he is present. You're not finding him. And because of that, you get overwhelmed. And when we get overwhelmed, we push that panic button. And when we push that panic button, we go back to what we know because that's all we know. And I got to tell you something. It didn't work then. So it's important for us to realize, okay, I got to find a new way. And the Bible doesn't just find a new way. It says the way. And the way is Jesus Christ. And that's why I said it's all about Jesus from beginning to end. It's about Jesus. I'm not here with anything up my sleeve. I'm not promoting anything. I'm not trying to sell your used car. I'm telling you that your life is going to get worse until you come into the fold, until you become a sheep and he becomes your shepherd. Until you allow that to happen, you're not going to live this abundant life that God is talking about. Great, you said yes to Jesus, but there is so much more that you can involve yourself in that you don't want to because you still love doing what you love doing because it brings you instant gratification. This is why I don't preach a lot in this place. It's important for us to understand that the glory of God is now reflected in us. And some of us are a dim reflection of his glory. And Abraham's faith was tested at this moment, and he was going to shine for God. He was going to do everything God told him to do. And at that moment where it came, push came to shove, where his faith was going to be tested, he did not falter. He did not waver. And some of us, every single day in our lives, most of us, our faith is constantly being tested, constantly being tested. And some of us pass the test, and some of us fail the test. But what I love about God is he gives you another test the next day. Because here's what we do as Christians. He says, God, I can't believe I did that. Give me another chance. Oh, yeah? Here's another chance. Right? And that's what we do. That God gives an opportunity, and we kind of blew it. And our prayer, if you're anything like me, is, God, I really messed up. I didn't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Can you give me another chance? And God is saying, absolutely, son. You're going to get another chance. And I got to be ready for that chance, because when it comes around, I want to act in a way that pleases God. I want to act in a way that brings glory to God. So I got to prepare myself, because I failed the test at that moment. I got to go back to the book and find out why I failed. And maybe it's because I wasn't praying enough. Maybe I didn't spend enough time on my knees because you have to understand the example Jesus gives us is he goes up to the mountains. He goes away to be with his father before he engages with people because people suck the life out of you. They do. And if you don't spend time with God, you're going to be this shriveled up prune walking around saying, "I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. You you have to spend time with the Father. You have to spend time in in that power source that you need. If you don't do that, what's going to happen is you're going to be useless for the kingdom. And you're going to diminish the power that's within you. There is a power within you that you can overcome sin. There is a power within you which you can overcome the lifestyle you've chosen, which is not given to you by God. There's a power within you that that allows you to not only touch people, but be around people in such a way that you are a blessing to their lives. How often are you blessing the people around you? How often? It starts in your home. How often are you being a blessing? How often? It's, it's, It's amazing because that's what God does. And Abraham tells his servants, wait for me here. I'm gonna go up here and worship. Now, the plan was to kill your son. Is that worship? Is that worship? Because here's what the kicker is here. It's worship because what he was ready to do, he was ready to give up that thing that he loved the most. He was willing to give up that which he held so closely. And by the way, it was given to him by whom? So it belonged to? So if God is the one that gave it to me and it belongs to him, then I should hold things with open hands. And that's the problem today. We hold on to things. We put our our initial on things, right? That belongs to me. No, listen to me. If you have anything, it belongs to God. It, It belongs to God. At the end of the day, it belongs to him. So you're supposed to be this steward, this person who's supposed to look out for that which God has entrusted you to hold on to. Are you being a good steward today? Are you being a good steward with your heart? you got to be careful who you give your heart to. Because whoever you give your heart to, your body's going to follow. Nah, nobody heard that one. You have to be mindful that being a steward is not just a steward with your finance. Everybody hear that term and they think about money. It's with your time. How do you spend your time? There's 24 hours in a day. How many people need 10 hours of sleep? Don't raise your hand, please. You're gonna be. How do you manage your time? How do you maximize it? What time are you giving to God? Are you giving God your best or are you giving your God the crumbs off your table? Because here's what I know. People want the maximum blessing, but they want to put in the minimum work. Right? Everybody at work wants the raise. Everybody wants this, but we're still showing up late. Uh, That pencil you took last, last week wasn't yours. Put it back. okay? So that kind of stuff. But all of us in Christendom want the same thing. We want to be blessed as a people. And last time I've read, anything I've read, the blessings of God are conditional. If you do it like this, I will bless you. People want to do it that way and still get blessed. People mistake the natural progression for things as a blessing. So you got this job, and you say, oh, I got this job. He says, no. That's just a trickle effect. Begin to walk with God, and you don't have the job. You'll own the company. Big difference. Why? Because God owns everything. He owns everything. So again, Abraham moves in this direction. He gets ready to do this deed. And again, I'm I'm, I'm trying to put myself in Abraham's position. I can imagine that my hand would be shaking, looking up to heaven and saying, God, you still got some time, God. You still got some time to change your mind. And it's a beautiful thing. Because here's what I learned about this. God is always on time. Not your time, but always on time. And Just like the song said, I want to stand. I want to learn how to wait on God. My wait is not passive. My wait is aggressive because I'm crying out to God. I'm waiting on God. I'm getting up every morning, putting on my shoes. Putting on, I'm walking out. I'm going knocking on doors. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, waiting for God to make that move. And I want to be in a position that when he makes that move, I'm moving with it. So it's not just that I'm, oh, God, please bless me, 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 bless me. And I'm not doing anything. I'm saying, God, bless me. And God, lead me today. Take me where I got to go. Do what you got to do. And make me aware. So you get up early and you get out there and do what you're supposed to be doing. Because if God is your God and you believe so, then God is going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. And with Abraham, he did that. With Abraham, meaning when Abraham was obedient, he, God just, hey, Abraham, stop, I'm here. He said, ooh, I'm glad you showed up. (laughs) What am I doing now? He says, don't do it. Because now I know that you will not keep anything from me. There's nothing you will put before me, Abraham. There's nothing, and because of that, many are going to be blessed at the direct result. Do Do you know that we are in our faith because of Abraham? that we are children of faith because of Abraham, amen? That God made him a promise that he was going to bless them and make them a father of what? Many nations, many nations. So every nation that exists today flows from the loins of Abraham and the promise that God made him. That was the moment that was marked for Abraham. It was never the same after that. He was never the same because God began to move him along this continuum of what he wanted him to do. From Isaac Loins came, you know, uh, children after children, generation after generation after generation, and so on and so on and so on. And God began to, to replenish the earth and began to build, and here we are today as a direct result of it. But God didn't leave it there when he told him to stop. Okay, you still have to. And in the thicket, we call this bush, Out of nowhere, there's this ram just sitting there. He takes his son off the altar, lays the sacrifice on the altar, and offers it up to God. And the memorial that we have as a direct result is the words on the mountain of God he will provide. I told you about foreshadowing at the very beginning how important it is for us as we read scripture to see what God is doing. On an elevated platform like this, with a child carrying wood on his shoulders, on a mountain that God had designated for Abraham, there was a sacrifice that was going to be made. You fast forward on a mountain called Calvary. Jesus had to carry his cross on his shoulders. And this elevated platform, Jesus became the sacrifice. There was no substitute. There was no ram in the thicket. He became that sacrifice, that sacrifice that will take away the sins of this world, not sins actively that we involved, but wipe away the slake so that every time you come to Christ, your past, present, and future sins have been wiped away. And you say, well, Pastor, man, I said, I said yes, but I'm still, I'm still sinning. Like I'm, still, I'm still doing these things. And to you, I say why. And I know you're going to justify, rationalize, and explain, and, and give me scripture and all that stuff to back up what you're saying. But I'm saying Why? Isn't Christ sufficient for you? Isn't the sacrifice that was made at the cross, isn't this great memorial something for us to remember when it happened so that we know why it happened? Like, you have to understand when it happened. It happened at a point in life in which we needed a Savior because we were lost. We were all, all of us, were going to hell on this slippery slope. No matter how much we're going to try to come up that slope, we're going to slip and keep falling because of Adam's sin. We all are sinners. So we needed someone to kind of resolve that. And on an elevated platform called Calvary, on this wooden cross, Jesus bled and died for you and me. Just this room. Let's just focus on this room. Let's forget about the world. Let's be selfish for a moment. He died for you, sitting in your seat. He bled profusely for you. He took a beating for you. They spat in his face and pulled on his beard. They put on him a crown of thorns. They put a hood over his head and slapped him around and said, you prophesy who hit you. They falsely accused him. His own didn't accept him. There was no room at the end these things he did for you. I need you to personalize. I need you to feel the weight of that. Because despite your mess, my mess, our chaos, despite the fact that he knows exactly what you're going to do when you leave this place, he still loves you. He still loves you. He still loves you. But that is not liberty for you to go on sinning. It's not for you to take this love and just say, ah, God loves me anyway, so I'm going to do me. Your life doesn't belong to you when you say yes to Jesus. It belongs to him, so you begin to walk in a way that honors him. You begin to honor him by the way you live and the things you do and the things you say and the things you don't want to do anymore. That is the greatest memorial we can ever have. It's the cross. Every time you look to it, remember what it happened, but also remember why it happened. It happened because in your mess there's no one that can save you. Not your mama, not your papa, not your sister, not your... only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. The only one who can help you is Jesus Christ. The Bible made it extremely clear that even when your father and your mother abandon you, Jesus Christ will never he has promised to be with us always. And I love what the word says because even before I go somewhere, he's already there. He's already there. And, and, and it's a powerful thing because I remember when I lost my brother and I got the news of it. And for those, again, I've shared with you in the past, Memorial Day has a huge significance for our family. And I say our family, my family personally because I lost my brother in Iraq. So I, I know the sacrifices of laying down your life for what you believe in. So, so when I got the news, I remember, and I'm saying this only to say that there are moments that the Holy Spirit and God is in these places way before you get there. And, and I remember that I was going to pick up a van that I was going to drive, and I got over the last stop in the Bronx somewhere. Right, Bronx. <laughs> I got a special place in the Bronx. Yeah, Yankee Stadium is a special place in the Bronx. And I remember getting off the last stop. I think it's on the sixth train. I don't remember exactly. Someone was going to pick me up there, and I was going to pick up a van that I was going to drive to New Hampshire to go to my, um, and I wound up in the last stop. But when you get off that last stop, there's a bar right on this triangle. Am I? Bronx people, come on. You know where the bar is. Come on now. And, and I remember walking in there because I, I, I felt like I needed a drink. I was so overwhelmed with emotion on that day and throughout that time. And I remember walking into the bar, and like I said, God is already at this place before we even get there. And I already had prayed to God a long time ago when I first came to the Lord that make me nauseous at the the scent of alcohol, make me sick to my stomach. And I walked in and uh, determined to get a drink, and I remember getting nauseous. I remember getting sick to the point where I just got a little wheezy, you know, like, and I walked out. Listen to me. You said yes to Jesus Christ. He's marked you. You're sealed. There's a deposit that's been made in you. It's called the Holy Spirit. One like me, Jesus said, will live within you. So wherever you go, you're taking God with you. Whoever you sleep with, you're taking God with you. Whatever you look at, whatever you, it is you do, God is with you. And God was there that day for me. And he'll be there in your moments of weakness if you're willing to see him and respond to what he wants you to do. So my encouragement to you today is understand that the greatest memorial we've ever had is the cross. Amen. It's the cross. Because every person who has given themselves over to military, it's been God, country, and their fellow man. In that order. And it's important for us to understand that at the very crux of everything, even this great nation was founded on the gospel. And the gospel is good news. It's good news about Jesus. You no longer have to live the way you do. You no longer have to uh, continue to pursue life in the way that you do. You, you have to begin to surrender to God and allow him to lead you and allow them to use you in your life. Your life doesn't belong to you. Stop acting like it does. Stop making plans because you're making God laugh. You have to go to God to find out what he has for you. And again, he wants to prosper you. But not at the extent in which you diminish or compromise what his word says. Don't twist this. Don't take away, don't add to it. Don't make it suit you. Don't put on and and knit it to fit your body. It's not meant for that. It's meant to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act. That doesn't happen unless you allow God to come into your life. So on an elevated platform, at Calvary, with a wooden cross, the greatest memorial we will ever have, is not a statue or a slab, but the cross of Jesus Christ and what it is that happened there. At this moment, we're going to continue our service. We have a baptism today. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Baptism is not salvation. Baptism doesn't get you saved. But if you're going to be a Christ follower, what you're going to have to do eventually is come to a place where you are baptized. Jesus himself was baptized, immersed fully in water, not sprinkled. And what we saw and experienced when Jesus was baptized, it was a beautiful thing because the the heavens opened up and said, behold, my son, who I am well pleased. Right before that, John had said that Jesus was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And then there was a dove that rested on Jesus to confirm who he was. And that was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to the story of young lady, Alexandra, who has come to us for a little bit. And she's been part of our ministry. In fact, she works in the baby ministry, lovingly caring for those mothers who are sent to us, who are in need of formula, clothing, she has taken that ministry and and has given herself to it. Now, here's what I want you to be mindful of. This ministry is not about perfect people. This ministry is about real people who are trying to serve a real God. People who are just trying to press in one day at a time. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop judging one another. Because the word of God does that. And if you're going to sit down with someone and someone is sinning, you take them to the word and say, this is what the word says about where you are. The Bible gives me license to do that, not just as a pastor, but as a brother. I can roll up on you and say, hey, man, you don't got to live that way no more. The Bible says that you don't have to. You can enter into this abundant life. And baptism is not salvation. It's just a symbol of what God is doing in the life of a person. It's her opportunity to share her story with you so that you can be encouraged. Amen?